Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Working Change. This is Nate. And Marla. Thanks for being with us today. If you have any questions about anything that we talk about today, or if you'd like to reach out to us um, regarding, well, I do therapy for people Mm -hmm. in California and uh, as well as coaching for people anywhere. And um, you also do coaching. So if that's something that would interest anyone, please let us know. You can reach us at workingchange at gmail.com. Oh, no, no. Workingchangecoaching. Oh, you're right. gmail.com. You're right. We tried, I tried to get that one. It wasn't available. That's right. Workingchangecoaching at gmail.com. Thank you for correcting me. You're welcome. Um, okay. So today we are going to talk about depression. You know, just that just depresses me. I know. It's just sad just saying sad. <laughs> Um, But I think it's an important topic. Yeah. So it definitely is. this is something that it's a very common occurring um, disorder in, in the United States and, and worldwide. Um, I was diagnosed with major depressive disorder when I was about 21, mm. 22. Okay. So it's something, and and I I recognize that I had have dealt with it longer than that, but that's that's when I finally had a doctor diagnose it, and um, so it's something that I've been kind of battling for much of my life. Right. So the first thing is what is depression, and what we're talking about is what is this kind of clinical depression? Right, because those are different. Because all of us become depressed at one point or another in mm-hmm. our life. Sure. And so clinical depression looks a little bit different than just... It's a very distinct thing. Right. Yeah. And there's lots of types of depression. You said major depressive disorder. Mm-hmm. There's um, other types of depression also. Right, right. So major depressive disorder is is more related to this kind of overwhelming sense of... I guess a, a part of it would be anhedonia like difficulty mm-hmm. to feel pleasure right um a part of it would be you know feeling overwhelmed um people have a tendency to struggle with sleep their eating habits can right. change um again you know difficulty finding finding pleasure in things um you might struggle to get out of bed in the morning there, there's a lot of distinct behaviors right that that go into that and there's there's kind of different levels so major depressive disorder is probably more closely associated with, say, people not being able to get out of bed in the morning or function. Right. And being more suicidal. Right. Right. You know, persistent depressive disorder is more associated with anhedonia, difficulty of finding pleasure in things. And so you're just kind of always blah. Right. Like you can maybe function at a, at a higher level, um, but but you struggle to find Joy and meaning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a lot of things. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. And then there's like postpartum depression, mm-hmm. which, you know, you have right after having a baby, right. you know, so that there are different types of depression. So when somebody says I'm depressed, sometimes it's necessary, I think, to understand what they mean by I'm depressed. Absolutely. Yeah. You have to dig so, dig deeper to figure out what, right. what, what all is happening and, and all that. So let's talk about clinical depression. Yes. What do yes. we know about it? Um, well, we know a lot of things about it. And, and this is a huge topic. It is a big topic. And We're going to try to what, do it all in one and maybe two. I don't two. know. We'll, we'll see. see. <laughs> we'll see how, how far we get. I don't like to go too long. Um, so, yeah. So what do we know about depression? Well, it appears that it has kind of three big components, or mm-hmm. like a biological component, okay. like an environmental slash social component. And a, psycholo- a psychological component, right? Okay, so biological, social environment, and psychological, right? Got those it. are all okay. those are all big things. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, so 
my one thing I wanted to ask you because we've both had depressive episodes. Yes. Um, my the the last one I had, uh, I I was actually in grad school, mm-hmm. and my parents were gone. They they had they were out of state for a couple of years, and and I was divorced. So I was single at the time, and I was responsible for two kids, and I was in graduate school, and I was barely working. Mm-hmm. Actually, at that time, I may not have been working at all, and I was very very stressed. It was very, very difficult. Right. And I fell into a pretty serious depression. Um, and what were the circumstances for you when when you ended up in a really depressive state? <laughs> there have been several. <laughs> so um, I think one of them I, I struggled with when I had my fourth child. I had a little bit of postpartum depression. Okay. And it was situational also. Um, I was dealing with some relationship issues at the time. And I remember going to my OBGYN and specifically talking about these situational issues as well as how I was feeling. And, and he said, you know, I love this OBGYN. And he, he said, hey, I'm going to write you this prescription, you know, but I, I think you'd probably need to see a therapist, you know, or get some help. Um, certainly take the medication if you feel like you need it. And if you do, please come back and see me. We'll, you know, monitor this. But um, I think you need some help to work through some of these issues that you are having. Um, I'm not sh- quite sure that it's completely all biological in this sense and hormonal. And I appreciated that, you know, it was, it was really hard. It was hard to get out of bed. I had a brand new baby, you know, I just didn't know what was up or down things. Just, I wasn't taking pleasure in anything that I had done before. I should have been really super over the moon happy because life was pretty good mm-hmm. except for some other situations that were bringing it down. Yeah. So yeah, it can get really difficult. And then, you know, later I, you know, 10 years later, I had a really serious bout, um, with another situation relationship wise that I think I got a little bit out of control and it was super depressing. We're talking like just spending nights crying, like in a closet mm-hmm. because I was just so depressed. Yeah. Um, not wanting to do anything like everything in my life became non-existent. I stopped doing things, stopped calling people, you know, isolating myself mm-hmm. and yep. things like that, having a hard time, um, eating and then sometimes wanting to eat way too much, you know, and which can also be a depressive symptom. So, you know, turning to food for comfort and things like that, and just trying to find pleasure in those moments. And, you know, that one was a, a little bit more severe where, you know, I actually felt suicidal yeah. in, in that sense. So it can get pretty dark. And pretty and pretty scary. Yeah, yeah, and and I think that's one of the important aspects to understand about depression is the more depressed somebody comes, typically the more they isolate from other people. Right. And you know, you talk about overeating. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's something that we see often. the The irony with that is that brings short term relief. Right. And and so, but but if you feel like you're barely hanging on, does does tomorrow or next week really even matter? No, no. Like the only thing that matters is that moment. <laughs> is that moment. You're right. You so, just want the pain to stop in right. that, that moment. Right. Yeah. And I think that's why, you know, for those of us that have gone through these depressive episodes, when you make a decision that's only about the short term, it's not necessarily going to help you beat the right. depression in the long term. But you're not sure if you're going to make it another day. Well, you just don't even want to make it the next day. Right. <laughs> you just want it to stop. Right, right. So, yeah. So I think I've side 
tracked us here, you know? Well, um, no, I, are we I, back to biological and environmental and social? I mean, all of those things, I think, for my depressions had a little bit of each of those components. Yeah. Well, I, I, I feel like it's important for, for like people to kind of look at, you know, what they're experiencing. Like, right. is this a clinical thing that, that I really need to seek professional help for? Is this kind of more of a, Short term, not that big of a deal, and not that it's not that big of a deal, but but I'm more likely to be able to overcome it because, like, in a matter of a couple of days or a couple of weeks right. or whatever, which, or not right. I would say if it persists things. more than a couple of weeks, you probably should should look into it and figure out what you're doing. Yeah, and, and certainly if it's a couple months or whatever right, not. yeah. And so in my case, um, I I w- I got so depressed I had to withdraw from school because I couldn't yeah. I I couldn't function. Um, and and I found myself basically not getting out of bed. I had a mm-hmm. TV in my bedroom, you know, big mistake. I don't <laughs> do that anymore. And and so I would stay up late at night uh, because I would sleep late into the day. Yeah. And I would hardly eat. I think I lost about twelve or fourteen pounds in in about a week. And um, I real I I didn't. I don't know if I showered. Like I got up to use the restroom. And I would drink some water occasionally, and I I ate hardly anything. Right, like I I was kind of deteriorating. Right, and and so for me, I felt like a raw nerve. Everything was difficult. I didn't want to go outside. Like the sunlight would hit my eyes, and it was like painful. Right, it was the strangest experience. It, it not that it was strange in the sense that I hadn't experienced that before, but it had been a little while since I had such a. A mm-hmm. serious episode. Well, and I met you at the end of that episode. Yeah, I was kind of coming out of it. <clears throat> right. And when I met you, I was like, dude, this guy's kind of dark. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah it is a dark yeah. place. And and so I think, you know, I think it's important also for people to understand that depression can look different in different people. Yeah. We see kind of similarities, and that's how we're able to right. say as clinicians, well, this fits certain descriptions, so, right. so I'm comfortable saying, and it looks maybe. different, completely different in ch- in children. It can look it, really different, so don't negate that. Yeah, you know, there's not a one size fits all. Right. There are a lot right. of symptoms when you go through and you diagnose somebody with this. Yeah, you know, you only need a several of them, but there's a long list of yeah. the ones that you need. Yeah. So, yeah. And I wanted to, to share another thing. Um, one of the lectures that I, I've pulled a lot of information from over the years, it's an older lecture that um, Stanford posted. Mm-hmm. One of their professors did a, a really good lecture um, on depression. And, and he made a good point, which is when you start to consider all of what's going on with someone internally, like depression is probably more closely associated with a disease, like say diabetes. Right. And he says that, that we have to be careful because because sometimes we get this tendency that, well, you're just thinking negatively and that's why you're depressed. Right. You need to get over it. Right. Right. And what's wrong with you? Snap out of that. <laughs> yeah. But the irony is, is if it's closer to say diabetes, like, would you tell a diabetic like, well, you just need to. I don't know. Stop being diabetic, you know? Right. Like, so it's, it's a complicated thing that requires a lot of, of care and compassion. And there's a lot of things that we have to do and we have to kind of nurse people back to health. Typically it takes a while to kind of return back to health. I feel like I've gotten a lot better, but I still feel these tinges of some of these past episodes that I've gone through. So the way I look at it is more management. Right. So, do you want to address what the biological components yeah, look like yeah, with the jump, environmental, social? Yeah, let's jump into okay. that. So 
so we know, and, and there's probably more things we're going to find out in the future, but we mm-hmm. know there's a few, there's a few areas where depression seems to really hit people hard. Okay. And, and those areas are related to, uh, what we call neurotransmitters. Right. So anyone that's listened to our podcast before. <laughs> knows, oh, no, Nate. <laughs> yeah, I know. I get real excited about the, the science, the biology. And I love biology. that, but yeah. <laughs> not everybody does. <laughs> right. For some people, it's like, oh, great. I just want to turn <laughs> this back off. To so grade, I'll try oh, no. to make this as simple as possible. So there seems to be three key neurotransmitters okay. that seems to be highly affected. Let me guess. Serotonin? Absolutely. Dopamine? Yep. And norepinephrine. Norepinephrine. Yep. yep. <laughs> okay. I know that's yeah, that's the one that's harder to remember. And and so what we see is medications often seem to address these, especially right. serotonin. Right. And which and, is what your SSRIs are. Yes. 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 And many of de- antidepressants are right. SSRIs. Right. So SSRI right. stands for selective serotonin Tonin reuptake inhibitors. inhibitor. Right. Yeah. So serotonin is related, as far as depression is concerned, is related to kind of like grief and obsessive negative thinking. So people that are low in serotonin, mm-hmm. that's what we, we tend to see things like that. Dopamine is related to an, uh, anhedonia which is the inability to feel p- pleasure. So right. our dopamine system is like our, our motivation mm-hmm. system that kind of drives us to go do things that we our brain gives us a little reward for. Right. So if you're low in dopamine, then you're unlikely to find drives towards things. In fact, I read one study in rats that showed um, that, that, bra- that the brains of rats that had been depleted of dopamine, I'm not even sure how they did that, <laughs> But but their dopamine system, and maybe they just cut it out. I don't know. Their dopamine system wasn't functioning. If they put food in front uh-huh. of a rat, it wouldn't eat it. Yeah. Now, if you put it in its mouth, it would chew it up and it would eat it. And it seemed to derive like some sort of pleasure, like satisfaction from that. But it wouldn't pursue the food to the point that it would die. So our dopamine system is important to us, our pursuit of things that will, you know, help right. us survive and make us happy and things like that. But it can also go a little bit sideways. Our dopamine system is strongly related to things like addiction. Okay. So so we, we know there's a place where there's too much, but right. not having enough dopamine is clearly a problem too. Um, and, and the last one. And norepinephrine. Yeah. So norepinephrine is related to what we might call vegetative states. So you see this sometimes in people like, what does a depressed person look like? Could you describe to me, like if you saw someone like, and you, and you're like, wow, they look kind of depressed. What would you say they look like? Well, I'm thinking of like the little cute movie that had like the little blue character and she's just all sad and, mm-hmm. you know, like head hanging, head down. hanging down, kind of shoulders s- kind of sunken, just yep. kind of like wadded up in a little ball. Right. Like they're walking. They're kind of just dragging all their limbs about. And- right. You know, right. so they have like kind of slow movement, right. and and you kind of see, you know, when you're talking to them in the in the therapy room. I don't know, right? Like Eeyore, yeah, <laughs> so, right, yeah. So, so norepinephrine people that have like the right amount of norepinephrine right. are going to be more active, and they're right. going to, you know, they're going to be. They're going to look more alive. I don't know how else right. to put it. That's right. probably a really <laughs> sloppy way to say it, but I like it. Yeah, less and, your <laughs> and and these neurotransmitters do other things, but these that seems to be how they relate to okay. to people in depressive states. And there's one more that's important. It's oh, you said neuro- there were only three. Well, this is a neuropeptide. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, fancy. this is a slightly different classification. <laughs> All right, and and this is called substance P. <laughs> Why does that sound so like well, sci-fi? <laughs> yeah, I know. 
So uh, supposedly it got its name when the researchers found it. It was kind of in a powder. Okay. And so they... they <laughs> Didn't they know what the, it was. Yeah. So like, well, it's like substance P. Yeah. So <laughs> okay. the P apparently stands for powder. So anyway. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah. Substance powder. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, it's related to our perception of pain. It's related to stress. It's related to anxiety and inflammation. Mm. So, I mean, you can see all of those things can be kind of problematic. And yeah. you can see why that would, you know, if, if someone has a problem with substance P, you could see why that would be an issue. Okay. Okay, so if I've depressed. got problems with all of this, then I'm like a hot mess. I, of course, I feel depressed biologically. If my dopamine's wrong, my serotonin's wrong, my norepinephrine's wrong, my substance P is mm-hmm. too high, maybe, right, or whatever. Right. Not. So biologically, it is important that we figure that out. Right. And so there, that's part. Now, that's not even all of the oh, biological. Okay. There's also the genetic component. <sighs> yeah. I I'm know. depressed. <laughs> So I thought this was awesome. So they, okay. uh, there's been a few um, um, a few different genes that have been identified yeah. as being linked to depression. Right. Um, a, a study that was published in May 2021 by the Department of Veteran Affairs, Yale, and uh, UC San Diego okay. actually found about 178 gene variants linked to depression. Whoa. So it's not just like this is One. the depression gene. Like there's a bunch. Um, Great. That yeah. just is not good news. Yeah. <laughs> there's 178 ways to go wrong. Is that what you're telling me? Well, it doesn't mean there's 178 ways to go to go wrong. Um, but as you can imagine, like most things <laughs> The more that you have life, of those, yeah, the, the, it, it seems the like, better your odds. Yeah, that's okay. what some of the, the, the risk factors seem to indicate. And and we know, we've known for a while that there's a genetic component. Okay. Because if you right. are, if you have a close loved one with depression, you're two to three times more likely to develop depression at some point in your life. Well, I think even before we knew about genes, you know, you someone would say, "Well, your mom's depressed, so you're going to be depressed when you grow up, kid." Yeah, you know, or grandpa had that, mom had it, you're mm-hmm. going to have it too. Right? You know, so I think we've known that like it was it was being passed on through generations, but now we have the science to say. This is something right, genetic. right. Yep, yep. We have the ability to to do much better clinical research. Look at brains. You know, there's, there's right. a lot of things that we can do now. Um, okay, so those seem to be a lot. A lot of the bio. It's not just that, but those are some of the the bigger ones. key biological okay. factors. All right. So yeah. now we'll move on to the kind of environmental and social factors. Nice. Okay. So. It seems to be related to stressful experiences <laughs> and stressful experiences, yeah. especially in childhood, oh. seem to be like overly okay, po- like problematic. Or you know, this is made not making me feel good. Like now as a parent, I'm like, dude, I'm going to have to like not be stressful to my kids. My kids need like an idyllic environment or no, they're going to be like so, little like depressed people. So yeah. And, and thanks for bringing that up. I do need to clarify. That doesn't mean that we... We never allow stress into our children's lives. What it means is, is we're particularly cognizant of them when they're going through a, a really difficult, stressful time. Or that they're experiencing it through somebody else too. I mean, there are, you know, if they're watching mom and dad fight a lot, that's stressful for a child. You know, they, there needs to be open communication and dialogue right. about that. Right. Or if they're watching grandma die. You know, that could be stressful, things right. like that. So so ultimately what we're looking at is abuse and neglect. Okay. You know, especially that's a, that's, I mean, that's yeah. a problem for anybody, but, yeah. you know, especially for a small, tr- younger right. child that, you know, a lot of these things to be, seem to be, the magic number seems to be kind of 11. Right. Kids under 11 seem to be more likely to develop problems because of these issues. Okay. Well, teenagers uh, just don't care, so, right? I don't know. <laughs> 
uh, yeah, we're still <laughs> trying to figure that one out. Um, no, we love teenagers. Yes, teen. No, I worked with a lot of teens, and I, I my teens are awesome. Um, Long term stress at home or at work seems mm-hmm. to be a problem. That's kind of what you were talking about yeah. right there. Well, mom and dad are always fighting, right. or somebody's always upset, or you know, you might have a. A lot of problems between a parent and a child. Right. And, and so there's just a lot of stress at home. Um, loss of a loved one or divorce yeah. can be big. Um, I know with divorce, the it's recommended experts in, in children's therapy recommend that, that the, co- the conversation around divorce continues to happen over a long period of time. Mm-hmm. Children have a tendency to internalize, meaning it's I did something fault. wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really important that we help them realize, you know, that they, it's not their fault that mom and dad are getting right, divorced. Right, right. So. That it has to do with their relationship, not the right, child's right. relationship. Right, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last thing would be traumatic events. Right. And in some cases, it was even shown that vicarious trauma, meaning if you observed. Right. A traumatic event, that could be enough. Right. To throw someone into a depressive episode. So it doesn't have to ne- even necessarily happen to you. That is true. So true. those are those are again some of the bigger environmental factors, and it seems to be <laughs> that you know once you three, four, five really stressful, difficult events, you know that that's when people start to tank. So you'd hope for them to come out kind of positive right. on the other end, go through a rocky patch, and then and then kind of come out better on the end. This is like they hit a rocky patch and then they just collapse. So I'm going to give you a side rail here. Okay, I like it. Maybe we'll do another podcast on this, but okay. this is where your aces scores, okay, like come in, and we can talk about that later. But you know, um, adverse childhood experiences is mm-hmm. what aces stands for. Yeah, and the higher that that score is, the more likely you're going to have mental health issues right. and stuff as adults, and depression is one of them. Right. So these, everything that you've listed here, would be considered one of those. Adverse childhood experiences. So absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Um, So I do think it's important to point out, like as far as environmental slash social factors are Mm -hmm. concerned, um, there's this, this concept or idea that, you know, the buck stops here. And, and what that saying means is, is like, I'm the person that can, can stop this, solve this, whatever. So when people hit difficult moments, you know, the the first place they go is is within. Can right. I solve this myself? Right. And and this is why it's important to have a strong support network because if you can't, the next place you go is your support structure. Right. Family, friends, close loved ones can can with the help of them can I solve this? Right. So that's why it's you know when people start to isolate and disconnect from other people, all of a sudden they don't have that support structure. Mm-hmm. So these types of things can get a lot more difficult to handle if we don't have those that support network. That's very true. Okay. So now we will get to the psychological. So the psychological has more to do with like what's kind of going on with the like thinking and processing internally. So uh, some people have used this phrase. I think it's a pretty good phrase. Aggression turned inward. All right. Okay. So depression is kind of this idea that I have this anger frustration, like whatever negative emotion, and I'm turning it in on myself. Right. And this is one of the important distinctions or differences between depression in adults and depressions and depression in children. Right. Children can can actually be aggressive outwardly. And 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 adults can too, but it seems like what we more frequently see is aggression turned inwards. Although 
And I wonder if that's because like children are so egocentric. It so could be. Maybe they're not going to want to hate on themselves because they already think that they're like the best person in the world. Maybe. <laughs> so right. they're going to turn it out towards other people. Like you all have this problem. Well, but it vacillates, right? Right. So sometimes they do turn in it on themselves and then they'll well, turn it out Well, because they're learning people. how right. to, to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, another, another interesting point with regard to that is uh, that could be a partial explanation for that is women are, are twice as likely to develop depression than men. So when you look at, at women and, and temperament, their temperament is often more uh, anxious. Right. And, and an anxious temperament is more likely to want to blame themselves right. as opposed to other people. So that could partially explain that. Um, my experience with depression, like I said before, was like feeling like a raw nerve. Mm-hmm. Like everything felt really painful. And and I think that, that there's – there's an important connect possible connection with substance P there. Yeah. So substance P, as I said earlier, is uh, connected to pain perception, stress, anxiety, and inflammation. Uh-huh. So back to the, the rats is a different rat story. Oh, no. <laughs> I think I'm going to have to buy you a rat. <laughs> I know. I need a bunch of rats. Like, it's burning on. It's not ethical. Well, not even that. I'm I, just I talking to stuffed rats. Oh, okay. <laughs> Gosh. I'm I got dark really quick. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, so if you inject substance P into the brain of rats, Mm -hmm. they become highly anxious and fearful. Their behavior becomes a lot more anxious and fearful. So, and and it appears because of what we know about substance P that, that, that is part of what's going on within, within people. Um, if you have higher levels of substance P, it appears that you're more sensitive to pain. Okay. So. If you look at the fact that somebody and and I'm not the only person, you know, I work with people that have this that, that feels like they feel like a raw nerve, right? And we know that our physical pain and our emotional pain processing centers in the brain overlap, right? So physical pain can feel very very painful, just as 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 emotional pain can. So if you look at that and you look at the fact that um, that people with depression have markedly higher levels of substance P in their cerebral spinal fluid, that would indicate that they are more, actually are more sensitive to pain. And pain is not just physical pain. It is rejection. It is you and I had a, dis- a discussion and I said something and I, I thought I caught a look on your face that looked a little funny and now I'm obsessing over what I just said right. and I can't even engage with you because I'm feeling awkward. Right. And, and I, you know, so that again, maybe that's part of why we isolate, you know, well, yeah, everything that I, we're I'm going to want to avoid painful. that all the time. Mm-hmm. I don't, who wants to put yourself in pain? Right. Yeah. Right. So what does it look like psychologically? Like as far as like thought processes and things like that go, and it might look something like this. Okay. So you're at home. You have a kid, a young kid. Yep. Like yep. we do. Check. Yep. <laughs> and she, he, she spills milk on the floor. Every day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. And and that's not an uncommon thing with a kid. No. But when you're feeling really sensitive, when everything is painful, when everything feels difficult to do, you're feeling like a raw nerve and 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 you're you're not being particularly positive with yourself, and then your your kid spills the milk. You might start to think something like this, okay? Why am I so upset? This is a small thing. This shouldn't hurt so bad or frustrate me so much. Bad parents get upset easily with their kids. 
I get upset easily at my kids. I am a bad parent. And now that can go on and on and on to I'm a bad person. I'm hurting people around me. I'm not useful. Like, why am I even here? You know. Right. Mm -hmm. And so ultimately what you can end up better on, than this. Right. Is I should die. Right. You know, and, and I, and I feel like I, I've experienced that. And I feel like the people I've talked with have talked yeah. about that experience. So that's what seems to be happening psychologically. Right. So, so quick synopsis, we have biological factors, you know, including genetic factors, all your fun neurotransmitters mm-hmm. and substance P. Right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> we have environmental and social factors. Uh huh. And we have psychological factors. And all of those combine to create depression within a person. Man. Yeah. Pretty heavy. But. But. <laughs> but. 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 There is good news. There are things. Thank that you. Because yes. I was like. Oh. <laughs> this is such a downer of an episode. Come on, guys. Oh, gee. Um, there is good news because there are things that we can do. Which is what we're going to talk about in the next episode. So. We're going, I know, the cliffhanger, I can't wait. Okay. Um, but there are things, we, we have found remarkably successful treatments for for people. There okay, are, well, I'm waiting. Oh, and, and we will get to all of that in our next episode. Um, there are, I guess, is a, oh, I, won't, I won't even tease that. So. Oh, yeah, you're done. Yeah. <laughs> My substance P is high right yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I hope that was helpful for people. Um, I definitely am hopeful that people will perhaps find kind of a soft place in their heart for those around them that might be suffering from depression and find a place where they can, you know, reach out to them and help them. And, and hopefully that will be something in the next episode that kind of incorporate some things that they can do. But I think it ultimately, this is really important to understand because a lot of times the person who is depressed is like, what is wrong with me? Like Mm -hmm. there's like, nobody else feels this way. I'm the only one. I'm such a failure. This is just not good. You know, but really this is like biology and environment and social mm-hmm. experience and psychology all working in this like perfect storm. Right. And so there is hope there is. for that. Yeah. So can't wait for the next one. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully it'll give some people some things they can, they can work on personally in ways that they can kind of su- support their loved ones. And, and if you have any questions like about substance P and Nate's rats <laughs> working change coaching at gmail.com. Yeah. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah. So, and, and certainly feel free to send this on to anybody you think might be, you know, might benefit from listening to it. So we appreciate you being with us today and we will see you next time.